All right, everybody, welcome back in. It's the Robin Stew Show. Today we are talking Pac-12 football and uh, got an amazing guest for you folks, host of Locked On Ducks. Uh, he's, He's a newcomer to the show. Happy to have him. Spencer McLaughlin, how are you, brother? And uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy happy to be on with you guys. It is pronounced McLaughlin, but don't worry. McLaughlin. You're, you're, o- you're only about the 879th McLaughlin. person McLaughlin. To, to, to make that misstep. So no and worries. Stu never to makes some mistakes. Stu actually went to college. <laughs> me, I graduated on the turnpike. I mean, that, I, I didn't even forget it. I graduated Jersey Turnpike. I mean, Stu's. An I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to bring up you trying to read a, a racing form. Okay. Yeah. um yeah tough <laughs> there's that there's that michigan state schooling right oh there. yeah let's uh, it, i know that it, a lot of people are expecting us to chat pack 12 uh basically well unfortunately it's gone uh while we started this conversation it's now gone well uh, n- well no not yet kind of it's exploded it's in the mm, ether no not yet that but more more, more of, schools more schools have to leave but if another one leaves that could entice others to leave and then that could cause it but as we record the show the Pac-12 exists as a conference and there is a path to the league existing but that is of course much less likely than it was previously and look I thought it was you know a surefire guarantee the league would continue to uh, exist and whatnot but the the likelihood now is no longer it's not a 100% guarantee that pack continues to exist but the league has not officially imploded but we could very well look back in a month's time or less and say that was the start of the uh downfall of the pack spencer don't take any of his jabs serious he's a <laughs> nose in the air big 10 fan he puts me down all the time cuz we're new to the big 10 i love the pack 12 listen I'm a, I'm an East Coast guy, but I'm always up on a Saturday night, whether I get home from the Rutgers games or I've been gambling all day. The Pac-12 is always the last bet of the night mm-hmm. to get me out. Pac-12 after dark, Sunday. baby. Pac- Absolutely. Pac-12 after dark. It. You love it. And you, love you, it. you, you guys don't even recognize the magnificence that is Hawaii in the morning. Okay, <laughs> that's that's my go-to. That's my get me out of jail card. It's Hawaii playing. New Mexico State. That's on the island, the big You're island. You're a diehard college football fan. If you can watch Hawaii against New Mexico State, I, guess I, what? I, I, I'm I will watch. I will watch Hawaii play New Mexico State. New Mexico State's in a new conference this year. I want to see how Love they match the up. Eggs. Yeah, it's, it's Diego Pavia. Let's go. Still was sick. Yeah. Still was sick. He's sick. Yeah. He's, yeah. You guys know I was. I, I actually do play by play for a school that until recently was in the same conference as New Mexico State in the uh, in the WAC. Oh, uh, here we go. Here, ask him still what it is. I know you know a player on the team. What school? Southern Utah. Oh, Southern Utah. Uh, much better basketball school, but yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Lately, they've been better in the bat. They were five and six in football last year, and they've got a very, very good and accomplished head coach. But uh, they have been, their, their brand has definitely been hotter as a basketball school because they were uh, a tournament capable team each of the last three years. Unfortunately, it didn't materialize. It did on the women's side. Uh, I'm sure you guys saw that miraculous shot from Sharita Doherty going around and everything like that. But uh, yeah, but anyway, I, I don't want to get too distracted on, on the whack. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're, this turned into a Southern Utah whack preview. Uh, <laughs> it's who's all excited. I'm, go yeah, I'm pumped. I have so many questions. Why am I so much more excited about Southern Utah than Oregon? 
Uh, no let's, uh, let's start with the bottom of the Pac-12, your California, your Arizona's, your Arizona State, Deion Sanders at Colorado, and Sanford, David Shaw getting fired. If, if we could wrap up those teams of the Pac-12, anything you like from those teams, anything you're looking for from the bottom of these Pac-12 schools? Well, I think the pack, uh, you know, on, a, on the whole, it, it really is a shame that this meteorite stuff is overshadowing uh, what is going to be an amazing season in in the pack. And now it's just got even more interest and intrigue and whatnot. But the the bottom of the conference will have some teams that will struggle this year, as does every other conference in America. But what, you know, has always kind of, always kind of separated college from the NFL is the NFL, you know, Colin Coward makes this point a lot and he's correct. You can be bad, but you can be interesting. Oftentimes in college football, you're not. There are storylines amongst those bottom tier teams in uh, in the Pac-12. And you talk about Cal, their win total, I don't know if you guys saw, got bumped up from four and a half to five and a half, something that I kind of took a victory lap about on uh, on, on my show when, when it happened because I've been as bullish as you can be on Cal this year, I think they're capable of being a bowl eligible team. Their schedule is very hard, but Cal has brought in a new OC, a new offensive line coach, a new quarterback. That's probably the most dynamic and explosive guy they've had at the position in quite some time. And they have a lot of good skill position players, Jeremiah Hunter. They have a guy who's a top 100 uh, incoming freshman according to 24 seven sports. Uh, whose last name is also Hunter at the wide receiver position. They have Jaden Ott at running back. They brought in Byron Cardwell from Oregon, another back they brought in from Tennessee. So I like their offensive pieces, and I trust Justin Wilcox to be able to put together a defense, and they took a step back on that side of the ball last year, but I trust them to be able to rebound this season. So I, I think Cal is the best of that group that you mentioned, but then you look at Colorado. What are they going to be in year one? under Deion Sanders you talk about Arizona State year one under Kenny Dillingham I don't think anybody knows what to expect other than not a whole heck of a lot from the Sun Devils and also they've got Jaden Rashada sitting behind Drew Pine if he struggles so they're interesting there the only uninteresting team frankly is Stanford and Stanford's got a first year head coach as well so there's that inherent level of hey that's kind of interesting like what are you going to see what should we expect coming down the line and so I, I think the bottom of the league is, you know, better than it's been before. I think Stanford is probably your last place team. Um, that would be my pick. That was the Pac-12 media's pick as well. And they have the lowest win total in the conference. And I think that all stacks up. But I, I think there are some intriguing moments. And I won't be surprised at all if, you know, a Cal or a Colorado is able to upset uh, a contender at some point during the season. I don't know that I'll be picking it. But if you told me right now it happened, I'd say, yeah, Cal or Colorado against one of the six you know, quote unquote, Pac-12 contenders, I could see it. I see your point about Cal. And to me, they're very much on the same level. They're not far off in terms of if you compare them to Washington State. You know, Cam Ward gets a lot of pub uh, for being, like you said, extremely dynamic uh, with, with Cal's quarterback. However, you know, I think if you lump those bottom four teams Colorado aside, and and it plays into the national narrative, which is Pac-12 doesn't really have that defense. Uh, defense is optional, right? We see a lot of those 30, 34, 41 type games. Um, I, I see those teams struggling, but there is some defense certainly in this 
conference and we saw Oregon State play way above their heads and it was based on defense last year. Washington State last year, a team that played above their heads defensively. It seems like Oregon State, UCLA, or UCLA, as they like to be called, uh, and Washington State, kind of in that same group where they're just, they're mid-pack, they could go up some, they could go down some, but firmly mid-pack. Do you see one of those teams making a jump this year? I, I think Washington State is intriguing. And I think Arizona is intriguing. Those would be my picks. Now, you know, Cal making a jump from a four and eight team to maybe a six and six team. I don't think that's the sort of jump you're necessarily referring to, but Arizona and and Washington state are the two teams that I look at as kind of those middle of the road PAC 12 teams that I could definitely see being a better team than people uh, perhaps expect. And look, Washington state's win total is six and a half. They were a seven and five team last year. They had Oregon on the ropes. I, I, you guys probably don't know this because you don't follow the Pac-12 like I do. Washington State last year blew a 12-point lead against Oregon with about five minutes to go, which is an Oregon fan made me quite happy. But when I step back and look at the big picture, if they hold on to that lead, Washington State last year would have been 5-0 and with wins over Wisconsin and Oregon in the same season. And a dominant win over a, a struggling team in Cal, which is, you know, looking the way that you should if you're a good football team. So they, they were that close. They were a four and one football team with a close loss to Oregon and a road win at Wisconsin. And the key for them, I talked about this earlier this week on my show, their big question going into this season. I've been examining kind of what the big questions are for every team going into this year, trying to shift the talk over to football. But Colorado has seen to it that that's just not going to be the case for, for the next yep. little while. So wow. Washington State is is a team that if they get the best out of Cam Ward, if he's the best, most efficient, productive version of himself, I think their ceiling is nine and three. Now, I, I say that's their ceiling. I think their floor is five and seven. I don't think they could be a four and eight team with the schedule that they've got. I think their floor is five and seven, but I expect them to be in the five to nine win range. And look, if they play to their potential, Jake Dickert is a great defensive coach and Cam Ward is really talented. I would watch for the Cougars to be one of those kind of middle of the road teams that could be better than people think this year. Like I'll tell you what, six and a half is their win total. I kind of yeah. like the way you're talking. I'm going to take them with the over. I, I, I like the over. I like the over quite a bit. Because their schedule doesn't include Utah and it doesn't include USC. So they are getting the best schedule possible to win the maximum amount of games. I think whether or not they go over seven wins will come down to whether or not they beat Wisconsin this year. But they're a tough team to beat at home. And the Badgers are going to learn that in week two. My, my two points I want to get to next. Okay. You're obviously an Oregon fan. Yep. You're a victim of Chip Kelly. I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fanatic. Victim? I'm a victim. I'm, I'm victim. a victim. Of, yeah, I'm a victim of Chip Kelly. Okay? Ouch. 20 and 12 <laughs> in two years in a division title and a victim uh, of Chip yeah, Kelly. Yeah, but I mean, he, oh, he boy. destroyed us. Never he got us some good. He got us. So he made some good draft picks. I'll say that. But he destroyed the franchise. He's a war criminal. Whatever you want to say. No. Um, but I, I, I want to ask you, Don, uh, Dante Moore. Freshman yeah. quarterback coming in from UCLA, a lot of hype. Chip Kelly went out this year in the transfer portal, added all kind of guys on this offensive line. 
They had a really good season last year. Obviously, they lose DTR. They lose Charbonnet to the NFL as well. What do you think about the UCLA Bruins coming into this season? I like the fact he went into the transfer portal and grabbed this many guys. Yeah, they needed to. I mean, you lose DTR, you lose Zach Charbonnet, you lose Jake Bobo. There's your fifth-year starting quarterback who is wildly productive. Your leading rusher, your leading receiver. You better go into the portal. But they've made some nice additions there. Uh, I think an under-the-radar one, Maliki Matavau, tight end from Oregon, will help them in the run game and is a capable pass catcher as well. J. Michael Sturdivant, wide receiver from Cal. I think that guy's a true number one. I mean, last year, you know, Jack Plummer was not a great quarterback, but it wasn't because he didn't have good weapons to throw the ball to. I mean, Jeremiah Hunter is back for Cal this year. Good receiver. J. Michael Sturdivant was a top 100 player and, and, and committed to play at Cal. And I think he's really, really good. So I think they have some pieces. Carson Steele, the running back from, I believe, Ball State, they've added in the portal, yep. is expected to be their, yes. their starting running back there. But UCLA is a fade team for me. I, I am I am fading the Bruins this year for this reason and this reason alone. This is the best quarterback league in the country. And here we are on July 26th recording this show. They don't know who their starting quarterback is going to be. I think I, I saw I, early odds that Sheehy is slightly more Shlee. valued. Schley. Colin Schley, the Kent State transfer. Yeah. Shlee. I mean, but but again. If you don't have a guy that has been so good and is so ready to start that you've announced it already and you're not going to decide that until fall camp, maybe they know internally and they're just not putting it out there. I will I will see that that is or concede that that is 100% a possibility. But if if it's the other one and they haven't had a guy separate himself from the pack, I, I don't see how you can match the quarterback play of the other great teams in the league. I know that Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in college football. I know that Michael Penix and Bo Nix are NFL caliber quarterbacks. I know that Cam Rising is a two-time defending conference champion and former first-team All-Pac-12 guy. I, I, I just don't like the uncertainty there. And though I trust Chip Kelly to develop a quarterback, year one with DTR and even year two wasn't very good. And if you don't have a guy who's you know, lighting the world on fire. I don't know how you can keep pace with the other contenders in the pack. Even DJ Uangalale at Oregon State is going to be more proven than whatever UCLA rolls out at, at quarterback this year. I, I wonder that, if that was my next point to me, and, and I'll let Stu go right after me. Yeah. You know, and I interrupted him. DJ to me is horrific. I, I don't care that he did move conferences. I, I couldn't stand watching him last year. He cost me a lot of money at Clemson. I know he's an upgrade for Oregon State. I, I'm just, I'm not a fan. I am just pure well, not a fan. He, so, so here's 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 where I'll add to that, Rob. You're not a fan of DJU at Clemson. I understand that. I don't think anybody was. Dabo Sweeney wasn't. He benched him several times. But what he was asked to do over there is radically different than what he should be asked to do at Oregon State. Because at Clemson... What do the best Clemson teams look like? They're running their offense through the quarterback. Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, one national championship apiece. That's what they were asking DJ Uyengalele to do. That's what they're going to ask Kate Klubnik to do. But at Oregon State, you just need to be, you know, everybody's favorite term. You need to be a quality game manager, and that's it. You just need to be able 
to give them a presence, to give them a threat. They they somehow managed to go like six or seven and one last year with Ben Branson starting. And that gave you no consistent downfield presence throwing the football. DJU at Clemson on a good on a good day needed to throw for 320 yards and three touchdowns. At Oregon State, he needs to he needs to average like 240 passing yards a game, and it'll be an upgrade from what they had last year. And his arm talent will allow them to take deep shots with guys like Silas Bolden. And I'm forgetting the name of the other return man, which is so dumb for me. But they, they have a couple of really talented, speedy receivers. If they can introduce just the threat of a vertical component, like Oregon State last year had nothing but a fastball. They don't need to go out and have the greatest slider known to mankind. They just need to go get a slider that they can throw for a strike with reasonable consistency. It doesn't have to be a plus pitch. It has to be an average pitch. And that's all they're going to ask him to do. Bolden is the guy you're thinking about, the kick returner. Bolden, yeah. I was Bolden. No, no, no. Bolden's the one I mentioned. There's there's another one in there. Uh, Anthony Gould. Anthony Gould is the guy. So um, those two guys are are speedsters. Bolden's the better receiver. But those two guys going over the top, introducing that component adds a dimension to the offense that wasn't there a year ago. So I hear you on DJU but I think you have to think about it with, with that sort of context. I, I'd be remiss. We're going to move into the, the creme de la creme to include Oregon here in a moment, mm-hmm. but be remiss for our friends in Detroit, Dante Moore. What is there? Are you hearing any early returns uh, for coming out of spring? I, I know the hypes there, a kid that, uh, well, thank Christ. Um, his whole commitment to UCLA is very weird. Um, yes. So I covered it, it extensively. It was quite it, odd. It's very odd. But, That's but also, say. I mean, it was logical at some level. Like the coach who was your primary recruiter leaves Oregon, so you don't go to Oregon. Yeah, like of course that makes sense. So then he, but going to UCLA, that was last second. I mean, very last second. I, but you're I going would, to a guy. In Chip Kelly, who just developed a guy who came in far less polished than Dante Moore and developed him into a high-level college quarterback. Yeah, and I think it speaks to say something that his dad has a big Michigan tattoo. So that's a, that's a weird one. But yeah, let's jump into the top four here. And, you know, in my mind, it's the it's teams that play – very good defense in Oregon and Utah. And it's teams that don't really play defense is optional, Washington and USC, but they make up for it with the explosivity uh, on offense. Don't, don't don't sleep on Oregon State, by the way. Fair. I think it's just it's, it's almost a- like asking too much. That defense, you lose enough pieces, you only have five returning starters defensively. It's a per- it's a it's a it's a prove it year as a program for yeah. Oregon State. No doubt. It is a prove it year as a program. But they kept all their coaches from a year ago, both their coordinators and their head coach. I think they've upgraded a quarterback. They're going to have one of the best offensive lines in the country. And their defensive coordinator has lost some personnel. That's a question mark. But he's really, Trent Bray is his name. He's really sharp. He's and really, I'll say one thing about really the win sharp. totals you have USC, 
Utah, Oregon, Washington, Oregon State, and UCLA, either at all at eight and a half or nine and a half, all within yep. a game. Very rare in a conference you see that many teams with that close of win totals. And really, and you said it before, and I said it to Stu before I said it before the show started. This is the best. This conference has the best quarterbacks in college yes. football. Oh, absolutely. I don't. It is. I, and I, I don't even know that there's a close second, frankly. Have you ever heard of Gavin Winslet? I digress. But <laughs> just I a little, little guy st- out of Kentucky that's going to shock the world this year. Stu, I, shut up. Don't say anything. But no, uh, Spencer, <laughs> go ahead with these top teams, USC, the Utahs. Bowden. Yeah, so, so, the, so the biggest question for my Ducks, actually, is whether or not they can play a better brand of defense than they did last year. Because a season ago, the only teams that played real defense were Utah and Oregon State. Both were very good teams. Utah, of course, won the conference again. But Oregon's defense had its moments, but also had some really critical lapses that prevented them from reaching the Pac-12 championship game and were, frankly, embarrassing losses to both their rivals in the same year. And we're still upset about that and are are out for revenge in 2023 in a big, big way. So I think that Oregon is a team that's going to pay attention to defense more than everybody else except for Utah because Kyle Whittingham is a defensive head coach. But I think you have you you have three styles spread amongst those four teams. Again, I will not discount Oregon State, but even so, you have three styles here. So Oregon State and Utah, they are two teams that are going to run a lot of single back pro style, run the football first, play good defense and heavy play action. Oregon is a little bit more power spread where they're in the shotgun on almost every play, not exclusively, but almost every play from a year ago, they had a jumbo package. They used really effectively uh, last season, but they are a team that wants to run the football first, but will open it up and take shots down the field and love the play action out of that spread power run game. Those were some of their biggest plays from a year ago. Then you have Washington and USC. These are offensive coaches. These are offensive teams. These are great quarterbacks. These are the best weapons for wide receivers in the Pac-12. I think it's USC 1, Washington 2, probably Arizona 3, Oregon 4, if you're just talking about the top two guys. But Because uh, Tetaro and McMillan and Jacob Cowling, that's a, that's a fantastic wide receiver tandem down there for Jed Fish in Arizona. And one of the reasons they're an interesting team, they can score a lot of points. They can't stop anybody. Made Delora look good, and I didn't think that was possible. Yeah, no, Delora's a gamer. Like, he was at Washington State. He won games. He goes to Arizona. He's winning football games. The guy, he's not going to be the best quarterback in the conference, but he'll never be the worst, and he is wildly productive, and I think he has a good, smart head coach, uh, you know, coaching him up on on all that sort of stuff. So I I think that for the top four, or for the top five, really, because I put Oregon State in there, you have the the pro style, kind of under center base, uh, you know, offense with utah and oregon state you've got the power run and play action of oregon and then you have throw the basically the air raid like washington and usc they're throw first run second and and that's that that's the way that they operate and they're just going to try and outscore you straight up no kicker just we we're we're just going to throw the ball we have great receivers we have great quarterbacks we have good offensive lines and that's what their coaches want to do and they know how to do that very effectively so I think that's one thing that makes the con the Pac-12 championship picture interesting as well is the contrasting styles of all the different contenders because you have a lot of them in there. Roberto, can can we get your take, Spencer, real quick? 
Roberto, run down, run down the over unders for for the teams. Oh, I love and this. then and stop us when you like something. We got Cal already up on the board. Yeah. Well, how about Washington how about State. how about how about this? How about how about how about this? And this is the last thing that I've got time for because I got a, a commitment sure. to get to. But go down and read the over under win total, and I'll tell you whether I like them to go over or under. Okay, beautiful. Sure thing. Run up USC nine and a half over. Oregon nine and a half over. Washington nine and a half over. Utah eight and a half over. Oregon State eight and a half. Pains me to say it, but under. UCLA eight and a half under. Washington State we already discussed six and a half over. Cal five and a half. So here. Mm. I'll go. I already marked you down here for over. So we've I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll go over that. Here's the thing is for months I talked about on my show, just mentioning from time to time when it was at four and a half, I was like, over, give me over four and a half all day, five and a half. I will lean over, but I would say, I would say stay away. And frankly, I, I'll lean towards over, but Cal and Oregon state both. I, if I were betting, I wouldn't touch them. The other ones, I would feel pretty good about betting. But anyway, continue going down. Arizona, four and a half. Over. Arizona State, four and a half. Under. Colorado, three and a half. Under. Love that bet. Love that bet. Stanford, three and a half. Oh, Stanford. Can you still get Stanford at three and a half? That's what it has so- here. It has DraftKings. DraftKings has it at three. MGM has it at three and a half. So if I was you, I mean, if I was myself betting, oh, I would oh dude, MGM I'd go. And get the book. I'd, I'd go Stanford under three and a half tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That yeah. would be my favorite of the of of all of them because I could see Stanford losing one of their non conference games, mm-hmm. probably not to Sacramento State. Um, well, they're going to lose to Notre Dame, but they they Don't play Hawaii. Sleep on Sac State. They play Hawaii week one. And I don't think Hawaii's very good, but I don't know that Stanford is that good either. And Stanford's quarterback situation is the worst in the Pac-12. I, I do not see Stanford winning more games than a season ago. They lost a lot of talent, and they lost their starting quarterback with a new coach. I would hammer them under three and a half. If you can, that that line moved down to two and a half at FanDuel for a reason. I would say I would say that is definitely, definitely an an underplay. Spencer, Spencer can't thank you can't enough, thank brother. You. Yes, Locked on Ducks, Locked on Pac-12. Go check them out. We'll be back next week, ACC, with Chris Van Dyne. Until then, take care, brush your hair, and we'll see you after a while.